Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the relaunch and the season three premiere of the Brown Trippers podcast. I am your host, Austin Spiro. Thank you so much for tuning in for the season premiere, season three of the podcast. I appreciate you all coming back and listening. I know it's been a while uh, since I've done this uh it's been a while because, well, I was asked to be on another podcast, and uh, while I was on that other podcast, I was trying to do both, and it both just it just seemed really difficult to do both. So I decided to take a break from this podcast, and I got a gr- great experience over there with uh, Felipe and Sean at the Total Basis podcast, but you know what? I just missed my round trippers too much, and I needed to bring this back. So I decided to bring this back, relaunch the round trippers podcast, and uh, we are going to start with it tonight. And uh, we got a good one for you today. We've got um, we've got the AL preview. So spring training has just started a couple weeks ago. We got a lot of things going on, a lot of stories, a lot of teams are really excited to get the season started. As as I am excited of restarting this podcast, and. Um, you know, a lot of teams are looking at to make the World Series, and I'm going to do this kind of a two-parter, so this this uh, episode is going to be a the AL show, and then the next show is going to be the NL show. If we have enough time, uh, then I'm going to give you a little bit of my input on the rule changes, um, and coming, uh, coming to you soon, I will also have uh, some research that I found on uh, what type of hits create the create more runs, and I give you kind of a historical breakdown on it. But first of all, let's just dive right into uh, the AL preview. Um, and right before we get into the AL preview, I just want to say, um, you know, we're, we're I'm kind of relaunching this. I'm going to kind of take a I'm going to try and do a lot of different things into this uh, in this podcast. I'm going to try and do some historical stuff. We're going to try and uh, tell some stories of of players of yesteryear. Uh, we're going to do some strategical stuff. Yeah, there will be stats in there, but I'm going to try and keep um, try and keep a good balance of stats and kind of more strategical, rhetorical type of uh, storyline type of stuff. Um, and we're going to analyze both history, uh, baseball history. And uh, and current baseball, and I'm hoping to bring a lot of guests um, as well uh, as the as the season goes on. And so stick around for the ride. Um, but for today, uh, for the premiere of season three, we're gonna get this started with the AL preview, and we're gonna start with the always high caliber AL East. This division is always always crazy. Um, lots of action going on, lots of rivalries, and plenty to discuss. So let's dive right, right into it, right into our AL East preview. We're going to go, all of these divisions, we're going to go back from last place in uh, last season to first place. So last place in the AL East was the Boston Red Sox. So first off, key additions, okay? The key additions to the, the Red Sox in the offseason was, uh, was the signing of Japanese uh, Japanese free agent or Japanese player Matasaka Yoshida. We also have the Rafael Devers extension, and they also added uh, Adam Duvall to play center field, uh, coming over from the Braves, free agent from the Braves. We got Corey Kluber, uh, the Klubot, coming out, becoming uh, probably a bottom of the line rotation guy. Um, although on Fangraphs he's listed as the as the second. Uh, SP2, so the second starting pitcher behind Chris Sale. Chris Sale is supposed to come back as well. And then in addition in the bullpen, Kenley Jansen. Um, so they, they made some good they made some good additions here to the club, but I've got some problems there. I've got some problems with the Red Sox. The Red Sox are a mess right now. Um, first of all, tr- Trevor Story, 
is out for the season. He's done. Out for the season. Uh, Tommy John surgery, I believe. Elbow surgery, at least. Um, and he's going to be out for the entire year. And Trevor Story, if you guys remember, was their big signing as of last year. Um, he came, was expected to do really, really well, moved to second because Bogarts was there. We'll talk about Bogarts, uh, Xander Bogarts here in a second. And, um, he didn't do too well at the start of the season, but at the end he caught absolute fire. Um, and now he's three years old and he's got elbow problems now. This is kind of, I think why people were kind of hesitant on Trevor Story. So it's going to be a really, really difficult hole to fill because, Chime Bloom and the and the uh, and the Red Sox organization kind of put all of their eggs in one basket here with with um, with Story. So now it's looking like they're kind of trying to fill it with uh, looks like a Christian Royo, who you know is okay. And then you got what Yu Chang. That's about it when it comes to middle infield. Um, on top of the Trevor Story injury, they also went out and acquired Aldoberto Mondesi um, from the Royals. But Aldoberto Mondesi is injured, as always. He's always hurt. I think he's played maybe 60 games in the last two or three years. The man can't stay on the field. He's fast when he's on when he's on the field, but he only plays probably about 30 games a year before he decides that he wants to get hurt. So I really didn't like that trade from the uh I like the trade on the on the Royal side, not the not the Red Sox side. And then just Xander Bogart's leaving. Xander Bogart's obviously he signed with the with the Padres, big big contract to the Padres and um that's that leaves a huge hole. It is a huge hole. Yes, they extended Devers, which they needed to. They needed to extend Devers, Rafael Devers, their third baseman, in order to have something to build a team around. Um, you know, they also added Justin Turner. They, you know, and uh, Reese McGuire is going to be probably their full time catcher and things of that nature. But really. <sighs> There really isn't much to be excited with when it comes to the Red Sox. Some people are saying the Red Sox could be sneaky good, but I think there's just too many holes for these guys to really come back um, and 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 be and be relevant this year. They need they need more. They obvious they honestly need more. They need to get something at the trade deadline. They need to they need to do something. Um, their bullpen is okay. The, the, you know they've got it's highlighted by Canley Jansen and and Tanner Houck. Um, after that, you're really not, it's just a mess all around. Their best thing is probably their offense, but uh, again, there's, there's just too many holes for me to believe in the Red Sox right now. Uh, going down in the ALE, so, or going up, I should say, for fourth place was the Orioles. Now the Orioles surprised last year. Um, they surprised me anyway that last year. They kind of caught fire. They had some good pitching performances, had some good breakout performances from a number of players and some, and a surprising down season from Cedric Mullins. But at the same time, other people picked up. Uh, people like Jorge Mateo, Adley Rutschman came and did Adley Rutschman things. Their catcher, um, you know, Ramon Rios had a pretty good year last year. And uh, this year, so they uh, they went out in the offseason and they added people like the versatile Adam Frazier, the versatile contact hitting second baseman outfielder Adam Frazier. Uh, they grabbed James McCann from the Mets. He's slotted to be the backup catcher behind Adley Rutschman. And then uh, they also, on the pitching side, they also grabbed uh, Kyle Gibson in free agency from Philadelphia and they traded uh, Oakland uh, Cole Irvin. Now, the main issue with me and the Orioles is they looked they looked good in places last year. They looked really good. The problem is 
They still didn't do a whole lot, and you still got this centered around Cedric Mullins. Is Cedric Mullins going to be good this year? You got Adley Rutschman. You got the uh, coming up of Gunnar Henderson. You've got uh, the debut of Grayson Rodriguez. Grayson Rodriguez is supposed to be the uh, fifth starting pitcher this year. Supposed, and he he's a very highly touted prospect. I believe he's the number. He's like the number. He's in the top 20 at least when it comes to the the prospects. So you got a lot of what-ifs here, but at the same time, the core of this team is Cedric Mullins, who we don't know if he's going to be good. Adley Rutschman, I guess. You got Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, Austin Hayes. You've got people who are just mediocre. They didn't change enough of this team for me to really think that they're ready to step up in an already competitive division that is the AL East. Um, it's going to be tough for them. They, who knows? They may surprise me again. We may see uh, good, um, good pitching performances from people like Dean Kramer and people like that. But I honestly, it's it's tough. I think the Orioles are going to finish bottom of the AL East again. They're just not there with the other top three teams. Now, speaking of those top three teams, we're going to go to the team that finished third in the AL East. We're looking at the Rays. So the Rays again, are always a thorn in the side. They are always a thorn in the side, and they made, um, they didn't really make any key additions, and one of their best pitchers, Shane Baz, is still out from Tommy John surgery, expected to miss a lot of this year. In fact, maybe even all of this year. Um, so you're, it's not getting any better in terms of the pitching front, but they're still loaded when it comes to pitching. They got Shane McClanahan, who had a Cy Young caliber season last year. If it weren't for Justin Verlander, we might be talking about Shane McClanahan as the 2022 Cy Young winner. We got Tyler Glass now. Drew Rasmussen last year had a very, very good year. Um, they picked up Zach Eflin from Phillies, or from, from Philly in free agency to, to be in that back end of the bullpen. And then you have Jeffrey Springs. Also, a good season last season to round out that that pitching staff and their their um, bullpen is always good you're always going to see a good bullpen out of out of Tampa and even though they didn't make any key additions i think the story here is going to be health they have to keep players like Wander Franco healthy. Wander Franco did not play enough last year. And Wander Franco is essentially the center of this team. They extended him to a big contract, well, big contract in ter- in, uh, in in Ray's terms, and they are centering this team around this 22-year-old shortstop who is fixing to be a very, very, very good player. The thing is, he's, he's had one year of service time. He had, he played... I think he played like 70 games last year and then he got hurt. We never saw him. So he needs to step up here. He needs to stay on the field and we need to see good performances from Randy Rosarena. We need to see, we just need to see, I think, health. People need to stay on the field consistently in order to, in order for us to see that, that thorn in the side attitude that we see from the Rays because they've got two big people uh, two big teams that they're chasing. And the first one that they're chasing is the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays, in, in all intents and purposes, yes, they finished, in the, they finished second in the AL East, but they missed out on the playoffs. And I think that has to be a stinger for all of those guys because they came out and they were cocky. They came out and said, this the that 2021 
was just a prequel, and here comes the main event, and they pretty much flubbed, right? You had another good, he had a great season for Bo Bichette, great season from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and a breakout season from Alejandro Kirk, but they still couldn't do it, right? They still couldn't do it. They still flubbed at the end, and this Jay's lineup is still loaded. You got George Springer, Bo Bichette, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as one, two, three. You got Alejandro Kirk fourth, and then you have um, Whit Merrifield, who's, I think, a good hitter still. They still got a good young core, and they've added some key players. They traded a great trade, in my opinion, on both sides. They traded with the Diamondbacks for catcher slash outfielder Dalton Varsho. Dalton Varsho is a speedy guy. He can play catcher, but is probably going to play the outfield. He's slotted to play in left field right now. Um, he could play center, but right now Kevin Kiermeyer is obviously, he's the defensive guy when it comes to center field. So they're slotting him over in center field. He can play catcher if you need him to, but honestly, the, the Jays have enough catchers. I don't think they're really going to... I really don't think they're going to put him behind the plate. But Dalton Varsho's got power, and he's got speed, and that 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 kid's got talent. And if I think that if Dalton Varsho has consistent playing time, he could really be a key addition here for the Jays. Uh, the Jays also added Brandon Belt uh, from free agency. Brandon Belt in his first season out as a Giant. Um, not too excited about this. Brandon Belt strikes out quite a bit. has a lot of power. Um, this lineup already has a lot of power, so the Brandon Belt signing is kind of redundant to me. But at the same time, you, they kind of needed a DH, and on their bench, you got Danny Jansen, Santiago Espinal, Kevin Biggio, and Nathan Lukes. Those guys aren't DH material. Those aren't everyday DH guys, so uh, I guess Brandon Belt is it. And then on the pitching side... You've got Alec Manoa, who I said two years ago, this kid is going to be the ace of the team. I'm giving it a couple of years. Guess what? Couple of years, Alec Manoa is the ace of the Jays. That kid has is great. 25 years old, that kid's got a bright future ahead of him. Uh, Kevin Gossman is there. Um... Looking to have another great season. Jose Barrios, I'm not impressed with Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios, statistically, was actually the worst pitcher in the majors last year. Jose Barrios. It wasn't Jordan Lyles. It wasn't in, you know any of these other pitchers you would consider. To, it wasn't Patrick Corbin. It wasn't any of these guys. It was Jose Barrios. Now, he's slotted to be the third starting pitcher, so he's looking to bounce back, but uh, it's just tough. But they added Chris Bassett from the New York Mets. I really like that. I really like that signing for them. Um, Chris Bassett is an innings, innings eater. He's a dog when it comes out there. He's a bulldog. He's going to go out there. He's going to battle. Um, he's not going to give you a ton of strikeouts, but he's going to try and supply you with a, a decent ERA. He's a good back end of the back end of the rotation starter here for the Jays. Projected at a 3.82 ERA. He's projected to pitch 182 innings. So, I mean, you can't ask any more than that. 182 innings in this day and age is really, really good for a, especially a number four pitcher. Um, and you still got people like Jordan Romano back there behind, uh, that's closing. You've got um, Anthony Bash. You've got Yimi Garcia. You've got a good bullpen as well. They're set up to be good. They're set up to be really good. The only competition for the Jays is the Jays. They need to get out of their own way. They just need to grind. They need to play ball like they know they like they know they can play ball and not not fumble it at the one yard line. All right. So I think they have what it takes to make the playoffs. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? They have a good shot. They're one to look at. 
but they need to stay out of their own way because they're chasing, always chasing, the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees, again, they, I mean, Aaron Judge last year, one of the greatest offensive seasons in history. Over 60 home runs, beat the 61 home run mark, and as far as I'm as far as I know, he's the only clean player to pass the 61 home home run mark. Some players are or some fans are considering him, you know, considering the true single season home run king because everybody else that did it was was dirty and and juiced and stuff. But any I at any rate, Aaron Judge's season last year was otherworldly and my opinion, he deserved to have the MVP. Um, this is coming from an Angels fan. I don't think Shohei Otani outshined Aaron Judge. I think Aaron Judge rightfully deserved the MVP. The thing is, can he back up that season? I don't expect him to have that type of season as as he did last year. But at the same time, he needs to have something like that because that season is really what carried the Yankees into the playoffs last year. If Aaron Judge didn't have that season, the Yankees wouldn't make the playoffs. The Yankees would not have done well, and you would have seen a lot of changes out there in New York. But because Aaron Judge had that type of season, guess what? You get more Aaron Boone, New York fans. I think this is the biggest, biggest issue with New York is Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone, in my opinion, cannot make a lineup, does not know how to manage a bullpen. He and when it and you can tell when it comes into playoff time, it shows. And that's why the Yankees cannot get past the divisional round or the championship round. They can't do it. Now, they did get key additions. Um they signed or, you know, the Judge and the Rizzo re-signing was a great that's what they needed. Especially the judge. Judge signing was crucial. And then on top of that, they also signed Carlos Rodon to be their second starting pitcher behind Garrett Cole. So now you have a rotation that looks like Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, and then Domingo Herman. Right? And then you've got a great, you've got a great bullpen. Clay Holmes, Jonathan Loizaga, Michael King. Um, you got Wandy Peralta in there. Um, on top of that, with the lineup, you've got um, you got other people. You got Stanton still in there. You've got Bader, who had a great season with the Yankees after being traded to St. Louis. Um, and you've got you're probably going to see the debut of Oswald Peraza, right? He's a very very highly anticipated, um, very highly anticipated prospect coming out of New York. We might also see Oswaldo Cabrera come up and play the outfield. Um, he's actually slated to, uh, to be in the major league lineup. Um, the, the New York's got everything that they need. The, the two things, Aaron Boone, obviously I've just talked about it, but the other thing, injuries, injuries is going to be big and we've already seen it. Frankie Montas is out. He's out for the year, right? Frankie Montas out for the year with a, uh, with arthroscopic shoulder surgery. Okay, he's out for the year. We're not seeing we're not seeing Frankie Montas. And so we're relying on Luis Severino who has his own injury problems to be the to be the SP3, to be the third starting pitcher and stay on the field, which he has not been able to do since he's gotten into the game. So it's going to be really tough to see if is this the year that Luis Severino stays on the field? 
Can Nestor Cortez back up this really good season from this year? Is Carlos Rodon going to stay on the field? Carlos Rodon has his own injury issues, mind you. And this is now the second time that he's had a very, very good season and the team does not sign him back, i.e. the White Sox and the Giants. Has, very, has one very good season with them and then they don't sign him. A lot of concern is pro is that elbow that he's he's had some he's had some elbow problems he's had some shoulder problems uh, as uh, as the year went on or as his career has gone on but he's had two years where he stayed on the field so this could be a this could be a turn of the corner for Carlos Rodon out of this oh this is tough out of this really difficult AL East. I would expect it to be a battle, obviously, between the Rays, the Jays, and the Yankees. I think the Yankees come out of it in first. They just got too many weapons not to be in first. Uh, but the Jays, I think the Jays will make the playoffs. We may just see three. T th we may just see the Jays and the Rays have the wild cards again, um, because the AL Central is bleh, it's whatever. Um, the Mariners, though. The Mariners are sneaky. They may they may join in too in the AL West. I think it'll be a battle for that wild card between the Jays, the Rays, and the uh, and the Mariners there. But before we before I get to the uh, AL AL West, I'm going to preview the AL Central for you guys. All right. So in the AL Central, the AL Central essentially is is very weak. Um, it is not the greatest uh, division right now. And if you are uh, if you are a, a Twins fan or a Guardians fan, you're lucky because um, with the division that you're in, it's easy going. Now, also, with the new schedule change this year, though, it's not going to be as easy because there's a change to the schedule where everybody, every team is going to play every team. So the schedule is a little more balanced. It's not... You know, the AL Central gets to play a quarter of their season again, or a quarter, almost half of their season against other AL Central teams and have a cakewalk into the playoffs, right? Now it's going to be a little more competitive and it'll be very interesting to see how some of these changes bring back in or bring into um, the records here. But the AL Central preview. So we've got the Royals. The Royals are another one. They're a mess. They don't really have anything. The, the The biggest additions that they have is Jordan Lyles, not that great of a of an addition uh, when it comes to pitching. Uh, they added Ryan Yarborough um, again, starting pitching from the Rays. Ryan Yarborough, I mean, pitching from the Rays is always good to have. Um, he's projected to be the SP four though. Your ace is Zach Greinke. 39, almost 40-year-old Zach Greinke, who's who's throwing 86 miles an hour as your ace. I understand. Zach Greinke, for whatever reason, has had great success, although not being able to throw over 90 miles an hour. But at the same time, when is it going to stop? Right? When is it going to stop? I get it. The swan song, he came back, great. But you got to be competitive. Come on. This dude got rocked last year, and he's and he's projected to have a 4-4-3 ERA as the ace. As the ace. What are we doing, KC? What are we doing? Come on. Um, on top of that, uh, they also signed Araldis Chapman. Boy, how the mighty have fallen, Araldis Chapman. I mean, he went from having prime 
closing jobs with the Yankees, and he was on the World Series winning Cubs, and now all of a sudden this dude cannot buy himself a team that's competitive. And it's because he screwed himself out of all of this. He has proven with the Yankees that he could not hold down the saves anymore. Clay Holmes came in and snatched that job away from him. And he was left without a home. And nobody wanted him except KC. So ah, it's it's tough to see such a great career from from uh, Araldis Chapman. And it's kind of falling out of grace now. So maybe he'll bounce back. But... The biggest thing that we're looking at from the AL Central here, this is the proving ground for some people. This is proving ground for their um, soon-to-be, I guess, I mean, he's a catcher, but he's slated to be their DH for MJ Melendez, right? MJ Melendez, 24 years old, um, hasn't spent that much time in the big leagues, but is looking to be the starting DH and uh, getting some full time. So it'll be interesting to see what he does here. Um, Also, the sophomore season for Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr. had a great season last year. Runner-up, I believe, and rookie of the year behind the Mariners is Julio Rodriguez. Can he do it again? Can he be a staple in the middle of this offense? Um, and then you also have another guy by the name of Drew Waters. Drew Waters is an outfielder. Um, again, has not spent a whole lot of time here. Um, he was the, he was the, looks like the 11th ranked prospect for the Royals system right now. He has a strained oblique, but, um, it doesn't necessarily look like he's, he's, that's going to bother him a whole lot. Um, so this is proving, this is the proving ground for these three guys. Can these three guys, um, prove that they can produce, right? And if they can prove that they can produce, maybe we're going to see a bright spot at a KC, but right now. Kansas City ain't going nowhere. I'm sorry. Uh, the And not to be outdone, the Tigers are also a mess. Um, and they just, they finished just above Kansas City when it came to their record. Um, a lot of people thought, and including myself, I thought, well, well, maybe, maybe the Tigers are going to do something. They, you know, they had Great signings last year. They had high high prospects last year. Um, they went out and they got some starting pitching, and they just kind of flopped. They didn't do anything, and it was tough. And I and uh, you know they had some big signings. They signed Javier Baez. They signed, um, and then you had the um, debut of Special Torkelson. You had Riley Green. You had um, all of these guys, right? And then it kind of just went to the wayside. Um, no real key additions. Nobody went to Detroit, but this will be the first full season for Riley Green. Riley Green came about halfway through the year, top prospect. So this will be our first look at him. 22 years old. This is really our first look at how he's at how he's going to be in the big leagues. He's slotted to be the opening day center fielder. You're also looking for a back bounce back season from Spencer Torkelson. Spencer Torkelson last year completely just flopped, didn't play a whole lot, was injured a lot. He needs to step up. He needs to prove he needs to prove to the Detroit organization and to the MLB that he's going to be a staple in this lineup. Um and you know what? It's tough. You can't sign these people because you're still buried under the contract of Miguel Cabrera who's set to be on the bench because he's not producing. A mad respect to Miguel Cabrera, first ballot Hall of Famer, has had a has had a lot of stuff, 
But the man is just a below average hitter now. It's just, that's just the way it is. And then on top of that, you have Javier Baez. Javier Baez had a terrible season last year. Javier Baez did Javier Baez things. I knew this was going to happen. Javier Baez with his swing out of the butt approach just went up there and struck out 35% of the time. And then when he swung as hard as he could, that bigger park out there in Detroit didn't do anything for him. It did nothing for him. Javier Baez flopped in his first year in Detroit. And I really don't see... I really don't see a bounce back year for him. I mean, he only had 17 homers. He hit for 238, a uh, 238 average, a 278 OBP, and a 393 slugging. That is below average for somebody with high expectations and a salary like Javier Baez. But yet, now you're tied up with the contract of Miggy and Javier Baez and can't sign anything else to go around Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. So that's on you, Tigers. You shot yourself in the foot. Um, so going to Minnesota, let's head to Minnesota, don't you know? Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins, uh, unlike their Detroit counterparts, were very busy in the offseason, gathering a lot of people in the offseason. You've got Joey Gallo, who will be a very, very interesting hitter this year. Um, Joey Gallo has had a lot of problems with the shift. He's a heavy, heavy, heavy pull hitter. And so people shifted against him and he never decided that he wanted to hit to the opposite side. Well, MLB decided let's 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 try this no shifting thing and decided to implement the shift ban. They are banning shifts. Now you have to have two infielders on either on both sides of the second base. You cannot move that you cannot move that fielder over to the other side to the pull side of the hitters. Um so this will be really interesting to see if Joey Gallo becomes statistically a better hitter. Anyway, is he going to get more hits or, or are we going to see more of the low batting average, high walk type of player that Joey Gallo has been in the last couple of years? Now he's come out and said that the pressure of the pressure of the New York, because he was a Yankee, the pressure of New York really got to him, and he was not, he's not a person that could be in the New York market, which kudos to him for for saying it was on him. It wasn't necessarily anybody else's fault. Um this will be really any really interesting though, because I mean the man had a 160 average last year. 160. Now he did much better with the Dodgers. But now a smaller market with the Twins and a and no shift now. Joey Gallo is going to be an interesting one to watch. On top of that, you have Christian Vazquez behind the plate now at catcher. He came uh, over from Houston, more of an offensive catcher, but pretty pretty good defense. And then you've got on top of that the addition of uh, Michael A. Taylor, right? Mar Michael A. Taylor has uh, is a great defensive replacement for somebody like Byron Buxton, although Byron Buxton is, is is a pretty good defensive center fielder himself. You've got Joey Gallo out there in the in the outfield, and then you've got Max Kepler out there in the outfield as well. Michael A. Taylor will be a good defensive replacement coming off the bench. Um, you also have the <laughs> very, very followed story of Carlos Correa. Um, you know, Carlos Correa had uh, two different signings. Um, first being... 
the oh the Giants signed a big contract with the Giants. Then they came to the medicals and said, "Oh, his ankle's not good. Let's not sign him." Or or you know his Scott Bo- uh, Scott Boris's agent kind of got mad and said, "You know what? Screw it. We're gonna go somewhere else." And then the Mets signed him, and then lo and behold, got the same medicals and said, "Oh wow, his ankle really isn't good. This is the worst ankle I've ever seen in my life." I don't you know. Let's try and restructure your contract. Carlos Correa said, nope, I don't want to restructure my contract. I'm going to be difficult to get along with. And, uh, oh, I'm really excited to go back to the Twins, who were my third choice. I'm back home. Shut up, Carlos Correa. You're not back home, and you're not happy to be there. Be quiet. Um, So... Carlos Correa will be another interesting story to follow here. Is that ankle going to hold up? Because we've heard a few stories now where... Carlos Correa's ankle is the worst ankle that these doctors have ever seen. And on top of that, he's also had back issues. So what, are, what kind of Carlos Correa are we going to get here? It'll be, an inter- it'll be interesting to see. And then on top of that, they traded Luis Arias out of nowhere. Had no idea this was going to happen. Luis Arias, their contact hitting first baseman. The most likely person statistically to have the next 400 season traded to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez, who is a great pitcher and is was the number two pitcher in the Marlins uh, in on the, in the Marlins moti- rotation behind Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara. Now, he's slated to be the ace of this staff and I think this was a really good get here for the Twins because now they have a true ace on top of some good some good prospects here at pitcher. You got 26-year-old Joe Ryan, and then you've got Sonny Gray, who's had some pretty good seasons there. Um, and then they also traded for Tyler Molly. And then you got Kenta Maeda behind um in the in the back end of that rotation there. Should be a very, very interesting team here. Um, big things to watch. Again, Gallo striking out a lot, 40% strikeout rate. Um, good defensive pickups, got the certified ace. Um Oh, the other thing is health. Can Buxton and Correa stay healthy? Byron Buxton gets hurt a lot. Can he prove to stay on the field and be a consistent producer like he's shown he can be? He's got to stay on the field. Um, I think the Twins are set to jump the White Sox. Um, We're going to... I'm going to talk about the White Sox here in a minute, but I think the Twins are set to at least hit second and maybe contend for that that wild card spot there. The AL may be crowded. The AL wild card race may be crowded. Speaking of the White Sox, let's move into Chicago and go to the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox very, very highly... uh, had very high standards to win this AL Central division, and they just kind of cratered to their standards. They did not hold up to any expectations um, and did not do well, had a lot of injury problems. And now Tony LaRusse is out. They have a new manager there now. Um, and they went out and got Andrew Benatendi from free agency. Good contact hitting guy. Good for the top of the lineup. I like that get. And then they have Mike Clevenger and Mike Clevenger is already in trouble and is looking like he may be suspended for part of the season. So wouldn't bet on wouldn't bet on Mike Clevenger being around for too often anyway. Um, but are we, uh, we're looking at is Dylan Cease going to, uh, Dylan Cease is their ace. Is Dylan Cease going to, um, have 
uh, lower his walks and keep his strikeout rate? Are we going to see the same good season from Dylan Cease? My guess is no. I think Dylan Cease is going to take a step back, um, but you never know. Uh, you have Lance Lynn, who is getting up there in age, is getting to about 30. He's about 36 now, and uh, he only throws pretty much fastballs. He's got a four seam and a two seam and a cutter, I believe, and then a changeup. It's it's hard. And then Lucas Giolito was a wild card. You either get the ace, Cy Young Lucas Giolito, or he gets rocked, one or the other. And then you got Michael Kopech to round out that starting pitching staff. And again, Kopech... It's his first chance at the starting at starting rotation, but at the same time, he's got injury troubles as well. And then you have the or you have the same crew, the Tim Andersons, Luis Roberts, the Eloy Jimenez, the Yoan Moncadas. Um great team, great hitters. They're way too aggressive. Way too aggressive at the plate. Swing at way too many pitches. They don't walk enough. They strike out too much. And still, there is no depth on this team. And they had injury problems last year. And this is what this is the problem that they had. They got no depth at all. None on the bench, none in the farm. And they still have that problem. And on top of that now, you have lost your key closer, Liam Hendricks. My thoughts go out to Liam Hendricks with his uh, Hodgkin's, I believe it's Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, his Hodgkin's, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, cancer diagnosis. Liam Hendricks, hope you get well, buddy. Have, um, fight on. We're all thinking about you. Um, but Liam Hendricks, that's a big hit. So now your closer's looking to be Aaron Bummer or Kendall Graveman. Uh, it's it. That's a huge hit to the back end of that bullpen. That bullpen was a strength, and they've kind of lost it, right? They've kind of they're starting to lose kind of their relief pitching, right? Garrett Crochet looks like is hurt right now. Liam Hendricks is hurt right now. Uh, well, he's not hurt. He's sick. Um, and then so you're looking at Aaron Aaron Bummer, Ken, Kendall Graveman, and Joe Ken, Joe Kelly, and then that's really it. After that, so now you went from having five or four or five really strong bullpen arms to three. Uh, it's that's tough. I think the White Sox are going to take a step back this year. Um, and the other thing is huge loss at first base. Jose Abreu moving to the Astros. That's that's another huge huge loss there, and they did nothing to replace him. They're only just going to put Andrew Vaughn at first base. That was your main run producer was Jose Abreu. That man is magic when it comes to um, hitting hitting runners in and getting getting runs in. And now he's gone. And so where are the runs going to come from? Somebody's got to step up and hit the runs in And now that Jose Abreu is gone. That's why I think the White Sox are going to take a step back. They're not going to be as bad as the Tigers. They're not going to be as bad as the Royals. I think they'll take a step back and do third in this division and not really compete at all this year despite their good starting hitting lineup anyway and finally the al the al central champion cleveland guardians in my opinion they came out of nowhere um great rookie campaign from steven kwan uh, the on, uh, on base machine a very underratedly mvp season from jose ramirez um you know you had just great hitting performances all around. Great pitching performances from Shane Bieber. Tristan McKenzie came into his own. You know, you and Emmanuel Classe in the back back end of that bullpen just shutting things down. Really solid team all the way around. Uh, made key additions. Uh, they got Josh Bell 
to be their um, to be their full time DH. I think yeah, DH. Um, Thirty years old. Josh Bell is a good on base on base with some pop. He's set to be in the middle of that lineup behind Jose Ramirez. So I would expect. Uh, Josh Bell to kind of get some pitches to hit this year and maybe kind of have an uptick in production. Um, you also got Mike Zunino now behind the plate. Mike Zunino is set to be the opening day catcher. Um, but the problem with Zunino is he strikes out a lot. Um, so we'll see how that how that translates offensively. Still a very, very good pitching staff. Um, and the division is weak. They'll probably, barring anything super drastic, like, I don't know, Jose Ramirez being injured. Um, I hope not because he's on one of my fantasy teams right now. Um, barring anything drastic happening, I think the Guardians, this is the Guardians' AL Central to lose. It, I think it is. Um, do I think they're going to get far? No, they're going to have to get through a gauntlet of teams. And uh, two of them are in the AL West. So let's move into the AL West. Uh, we only have four or five teams left. Look at us. We're moving right along here. Um, moving right along to the AL West. We are looking at the A's. So the Oakland A's, there really isn't much to talk about the Oakland A's. They really haven't done anything. Uh, they've completely gutted their team. They don't really have anybody of any value to talk about. Um, no key additions. It's just a, a huge, huge mess. I don't know what Billy Bean is doing. They're looking at moving to Vegas, but it doesn't make I just it doesn't make any sense. If you're looking to relocate, why wouldn't you try and grab players? Why wouldn't you try to trade for players? I understand you're a small market team, but why wouldn't you try and grab anybody that's worth anything? The only thing that the only player that was worth anything was Sean Murphy, and you traded him to the Braves really, really just doesn't make any sense. The biggest thing to look forward to is really a full season from their uh, catching prospect, Shea Langliers, who they traded for last year for Matt Olson. He was in the Matt Olson trade. And then the debut of of their uh, of their signing from, J- from Japan, Shinotaro Fujinami. Um, again, though, nothing huge. Um are we going to see maybe another good season from Paul Blackburn? Are we going to see an A's? Maybe Shay Langliers comes out and wins Rookie of the Year. Nobody, nobody has any idea. But after that, the A's are terrible. Um, anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on the A's. They're garbage right now. Um, let's look at the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers are very, 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 very interesting here in the AL West. They've got, they now have for key additions. They added a lot to their starting to their starting rotation. Starting rotation last year, they had a great season from Martin Perez. John Gray got hurt kind of at the beginning of the season, but came back and had a good year. Um, now we're looking at a completely different projected starting rotation. You still have Martin Perez. You still have John Gray. But on top of that, the big signing of Jacob deGrom coming over from the Mets um, and then they signed Nathan Eovaldi, once the ace of the Red Sox, now slated to be the SP4 for the Rangers. And then the back end of the bullpen is hoping to continue his resurgence, Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney had a had a pretty decent season for the Dodgers last year. Um, when he wasn't when he wasn't injured, he kind of got injured, but you know, he had a very, very decent season last year. Uh, good bounce back season there. 
I think the key here is, and then they got a, a boost to the bullpen, um, or or boost to the uh, starting rotation. Oh, this one is tough though because Jacob Degrom is another one he can't stay on the field, and he's already had some setbacks. Right, he's already had some setbacks. He has tightness in his oblique or side or whatever, uh, and had to be shut down already, kind of for this. Um, so are we going to see more Jacob deGrom it's injury troubles here? And then on top of that, really disappointing first seasons from both Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. Um, they need, you need bounce back seasons from them because you had a great season, a great underrated season from Nathaniel Lau. And this is the first time we're going to get to see, really see a highly anticipated prospect coming out of there. Josh Jung. Josh Jung is their top prospect in the system. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how well he does here. There's a lot of what ifs here. The Rangers could be scary good, but the Rangers could also be laughably bad. It just depends on where it all falls. Um, can Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager produce at the top of the lineup? Can Nathaniel Lau have another good season or Nathaniel Lowe? And then uh, can jo will Josh Jung be in contention for Rookie of the Year here? And then are we going to get the Jacob DeGrom that everybody is looking for? For him to stay on the friggin' field. Stay on the field, dude. Anyway, so the Rangers are another very interesting one. And they could... Uh, the AL West is the, this is another one. The AL West could be very good depending on how all of this works out. And moving up, we're going to go to the Angels now. The Angels made some moves. Now, I have said over the last couple of years that the Angels needed pitching. They needed pitching some kind of bad. And I have come out and said that the Angels terribly run, which they still are, terribly run, and Arnie Moreno dangling that he's going to sell the Angels and then pulls it back from Angels fans is just cruel, man. That's just cruel. Just sell the team already. Anyway, um, last year, pitching was okay. Their starting rotation was okay. It was pretty good, actually. Top 10 in, pitch, in, 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 in starter ERA as a team. Um, headlined by Shohei Otani. They went out and picked up Tyler Anderson, who had a great season last year from uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, very good season last year. Jose Suarez, I think, in my opinion, set to be a good starting pitcher this year. Uh, he's, you know, his projections uh, is not great, but I think he he will surpass his projections. Had less than a four ERA last year, pretty good. Then he had Reed Detmers, again, good, great, uh, good season last year. And then uh, a new addition here, uh, Tucker Davidson uh, trade from the trade from the Braves. A lot of lefty pitching, and then their bullpen was kind of a mess. Uh, great signing, I think, in Matt Moore, and then they also grabbed Carlos Estevez from Colorado. Again, two very good signings. I think they're poised to kind of have pitching, uh, pitching kind of short up here. The biggest thing was their offense. They had a terrible, terrible offense outside of Shohei Otani and Mike Trout when he was there. I mean, Mike Trout was the top two, one of the top two hitters on the team, and he missed 60 games. He missed 40 to 60 games. So, you know, Jared Walsh was not the Jared Walsh that we that uh, they were looking for. Um, Luis Renjifo came out, had a good year, but again, went back and forth. 
uh, Anthony Rendon was hurt. Taylor Ward had a great season and then was hurt. Um, Taylor Ward looks like he's ready to kind of jump back into the outfield game here and 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 be a producer, uh, be a productive left fielder. They need the bats. There's huge question marks surrounding the health, right, and these new acquisitions. Trout now has a back condition. How are they going to manage that? They got to keep Rendon on the field. We got to have repeat. They got to have repeat good seasons from Renfro. Hunter Renfro is another one of their uh, big acquisitions. They traded from Milwaukee. Uh, they picked up Brandon Drury from free agency. Uh, we need another good season, or they need another good season from Taylor Ward. They need another good season from Luis Renjifo. And at the same time, now we're looking at the debut of top prospect Logan O'Hop. Logan O'Hop is in the top 50 in uh, MLB MLB top prospects and was the number one prospect in the Angels organization. He's slated to be the opening day catcher. Can he prove that he belongs in the bigs? Will the bullpen be better? And will the starting pitching stay productive? And the biggest question of all, this will be the third year in a row that Shohei Otani is going to pull both a start a full starting pitching and a full hitting duty. He's a staple of that team, and he's unhappy on the on the on the Angels. He's come out and already said he's not happy that they are not performing and they are not getting into the playoffs. Is he going to have a have stellar production for a third year in a row? Only time will tell. Moving along, we have the uh, we have the Mariners here. Uh, Seattle, very solid season last year. They had a very, very solid season last year, and they're looking to build on this season. Um, they gave the Astros work. They worked them hard. The Astros, they were not, it was not a cakewalk. The Mariners were not a cakewalk, and they're looking to beat the Astros. They're looking to kind of step over the Astros here and be the class of the AL West. And they add, so they went out and they added Teoscar Hernandez from the Blue Jays. Right, and then they they went out and traded Milwaukee for Colton Wong. He's going to be at the top of that lineup. And then they also went out in free agency and added AJ Pollock to be their DH. So on top of those, you also have Julio Rodriguez, Rookie of the Year last year. You have a Eugenio Suarez, a good bat when he's on. You had Cal Relay, proved to be pretty clutch. Um, you've got JP Crawford, pretty good contact shortstop. Uh, you have a a great starting pitching in Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, George Kirby. Great four-headed horse right there. Um, you've got a great bullpen, Diego Castillo, Andres Munoz, Paul Seawald. You have great, you have a great, great, great team that's brewing here. And I think they could challenge the Astros. And I think they could challenge for that wild card. I don't think they're quite the class of of the uh of the AL West the Astros are just way too good um but I think they're going to be a good team and they may spoil they may spoil the wild card for the Rays I think they may just get in uh the wild card again and be a thorn in the side and be very 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 difficult getting into the playoffs um and moving on last year's World Series champions the Houston Astros the Houston Astros, they did not rest on their laurels and they went out and had a big signing 
Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu is set to be fifth in that lineup behind Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, and Jordan Alvarez. If they needed anything else, the Astros needed offensive production at a first base. Yuli Gurriel was just not cutting it. 38 years old now, contact hitting first baseman. Jose Abreu is a, even though he's 36, year, 36 years old, huge upgrade. Great at hitting runners in, and what better place to hit runners in than the, than the Houston Astros? I mean, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Abreu, Kyle Tucker, Jeremy Pena, great rookie campaign. And then, uh, you know, those are great, great offensive. I mean, you've got seven names right there in the top, you know, at the in the starting lineup that are great, great, great offensive players. It is just bananas how good this team is. And then on top of that, you have, they lost Justin Verlander, but I really don't think the Astros pitching staff is hurt all that much. Yeah, it's a big hit, but I don't think that, the Astros mind. You have Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and then you have Luis Garcia, and then you have Jose Arquiti. You really cannot go wrong here with the Astros's with the Astros's pitching rotation here. They've got great pitchers, a great bullpen. The AL West is, I, I, I think it's it could it, it could go one of two ways. We could get a shootout if the Rangers and the Angels prove to be good. Or it could be a one-horse race here with the with the Astros taking the field again. What do I think is going to happen? I think it's the Astros' division to lose. The Astros are just too good. But I think the Mariners will sneak in. And um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the Angels are better, but not great. Or are are they're they're better, but don't make it into the playoffs. And and it's just because of the their chasing the Mariners and Astros already. And then I think I think Jacob DeGrom goes down midseason again, and I think that the Rangers are just... The Rangers, I feel like they're repeating the same mistakes that the Angels made when they signed Albert Pujols, C.J. Wilson, and Josh Hamilton. They're pouring all of these contracts, all these big money contracts, long-eared contracts into little, you know, into three players, and they're going to run out of money to build a team around these guys. And I really, really think that it's not going to go well for the Rangers. I just have a terrible, terrible feeling about it. Maybe it's this Angels fan's PTSD about, about the Angels um, and their and their struggles that they've had with the Wilson signing and the Hamilton signing and things of that nature. So how do I think this is going to lay out? I think the division winners are going to be the Astros in the AL. I think the division winners are going to be the the Astros, the uh, Guardians, and the uh, I'm going to give the edge to the Yankees. And then I think the wild card teams are going to probably be the Jays and the. Oh, I know I said earlier in the podcast that it's going to be the Rays, but. Looking at the Mariners, I think the Mariners are slightly better than the Rays. I think we're kind of looking at the same playoff picture here, um, barring anything crazy happening. Um, but again, I think the Rays are going to be good. The Angels might, out of these guys, they might. And then you you may look at you may look at the Twins as well. That second wild card spot may be a shootout here. Um, so that is that, and we're looking at. 55 minutes into the podcast. 
Okay, I'm going to give you my... We're going to switch here, and I'm going to give you my opinion here of these new rule changes. So MLB has come out with a lot of new rule changes this year. I mean, a ton of new rule changes. We're looking at, um, we're looking at the shift ban. We're looking at um, bigger bases, right? And we're looking at... Um, and we're looking at the pitch clock. I think those are the three big rule changes that we're looking at here, right? So let's let's start with the let's go with the shift ban because the shift ban has been the one that's been talked about for a long, long time. And I even had an episode on this podcast or um, a long time ago, and I did a statistical breakdown of hitters that hit all over the ballpark and hitters that are, you know, hitters that pull and things like that. And my conclusion was that hitters just needed to learn how to hit to the opposite field again. And the shift will go away. And while I still wholeheartedly believe that, the truth of the matter is, we now have a shift ban. That's just the fact of the matter. That's just the way that the game is now. There's a shift ban. And they've cited that it is to make the game more exciting and it is to produce more offense. You can't deny that. You can't deny those reasonings. Um, am I necessarily happy that they have the shift ban and they kind of placated to these, you know, launch angle, pull hitting power hitting mooses that are refusing to hit to the opposite field. I'm not necessarily all that thrilled about it, but at the same time, you are going to create more offense. You are going to, I mean, we are at an offensive low. Um, 14 teams hit below 230, I believe it was, as it, or 240 as a team. 240 meaning the batting average. And, um, you know, you, you run production, in my opinion, was at an all-time low. This is the era of the pitcher. Um, strikeouts are at an all-time high. It's tough. It's, it's, it's hard. So I think overall it will be good. You'll have more offense. It'll be kind of a more exciting game. Um, I'm just not necessarily happy that we've created more offense by limiting kind of what the def what kind of what the defenders can do. Um so it's kind of bittersweet. We'll get more offense, but I don't know. Um I'm conflicted about that one. Let's go to the bigger bases. The bigger bases I don't have a problem with. I don't have a problem with bigger bases. There they've cited player safety. For whatever reason, some baseball fans have a stick up their butt and they're complaining about the bigger bases. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why of all the things are you complaining about an extra three inches? I mean, for real, people. You would never complain about an extra three inches if it were something else, now wouldn't you? I just, it doesn't make any sense. Why are we complaining about an extra three inches of base out of anything else? This is the only time that any of you gentlemen are going to be complaining about an extra three inches. Just shut up about it already. Jeez. Like, come on. First of all, I am all for anything that has to do with player safety. I'm fine with that. Well, I can't say that because I did like, I didn't like the uh, don't run over the catcher rule. But at the same time, oh, that's maybe the discussion for another time. But at the same time... This really, I don't think, impacts the game. It's not like we made the. It's not like we made first base 
10 feet closer to home. It's not like we didn't do anything like that. The bases are just three inches, three inches longer on each side. Why are we complaining about that? That doesn't make any sense. It changes the base running game a little bit, and that'll be really interesting to see. And here's why it changes the base running game a little bit. First of all, you're going to have bigger leadoffs, right? If you have an extra three inches of base, that's an extra already three inches that you have towards second base if you're standing on first. So now you're going to see leads get a little longer. That runner is going to be presumably, I would assume, three inches closer on the leadoff. So we may see more stolen bases, which I know a lot of you purists and somebody like me has been complaining about we need more stolen bases. We need more stolen bases. And now, and you know, on top of that, they also are starting to limit the amount of pickoffs that you could have. I don't believe, I could be wrong, I don't believe they've instilled a pickoff rule this year. Um, but if they have a pickoff rule, then we are, then that'll very much, um, that'll very much, no, nope, no, uh, no pickoff rule limit there. Um, but you have an extra three inches. So I'm going to go back to that. You have an extra three inches of, of space on the leadoff to me as a runner. Thanks for the three inches, dude. Thanks for the three inches, Rob Manfred. I'm taking it, right? Three inches, think about that. Three inches is a lot of the, a lot of differences here on the stupid replay between safe and out. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, if I have any sort of speed or any sort of ability to steal bases, I'm going, I'm going because I'm gonna have more success stealing bases especially now that Yadier Molina has retired, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to look at more successful stolen base attempts and that creates more excitement and that's what we want, right? So, on and then also with bigger leads, the other, the other thing to this is when you dive back into the bag, right? On a pickoff, let's say. When you dive back into the bag, any good runner is diving to the back side of the the back side of the bag. And even then when you're sliding, you're sliding to the back side of the bag. Why? Because it creates a more difficult tag for the for the fielder. So now he's got to reach around even farther to try and tag you. So Really, this benefits the runner and this benefits the offense. I'm sorry for you guys that are all for pitching and, and defense, but runs is what runs the game. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Um, so I have zero problem with the with the extra or with the extra three inches on the base. I don't have a problem with it. So the fact that people are people have a stick up their butt and they're trying to and they're they're like, oh, that's not how it used to be. What does it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just Sit in your lawn chair and tell the kids to get off your lawn and shut up. Um, now, the big one that's been the, a point of contention with baseball players and fans alike is the pitch clock. Now, uh, MLB has instituted a pitch clock for, this one was new to me, for both the batter and the pitcher. I was, so I was, I was shocked at this, so I, I'll read this. So, for the pitcher... 
The pitcher gets 15 seconds to get back on the mound and start his windup when the bases are empty. And when runners are on, they get 20 seconds. Now, the hitter gets one timeout per plate appearance, so he can only hold up his hand and call time once. And he must be in the batter's box with eight seconds left on the clock. Okay? Oh, they, they are, actually. They, they do have a pickoff attempt. So I'm reading it now. Pitchers get two disengagements, either a step-off or a pickoff attempt per batter. So they only have, they can only step off the mound twice. So that's even going to be a bigger uh, opportunity here for the running game, right? For more stolen bases. So, oh man, this, I, I can't, it's so hard to formulate my opinion here of this pitch clock. The, the hitter, the hitter clock, I don't understand. The hitter clock is kind of hard to get my get my head around. Um, and this ended a game. It ended a spring training game already. One of the Red Sox hitters didn't get into the box in time, and they called an automatic. And if you don't get into the box, it's an automatic strike. And so, and this ended. It was an 0-2 count. Bottom of the uh, bottom of the last inning. I, well, I think it was the ninth. Uh, bottom of the ninth inning, and they called they called strike three, and that ended the game. So that caused a huge uproar. But the pitch timer, I don't have a problem with. Um, I've seen minor league games where they had the pitch clock. And the game moved just fine. Now, they're citing that it's going to help speed up the game. Um, and they're saying that the pitch timer helped reduce the game length by 25 minutes in the minors. I mean, I guess you'll cut the four-hour games, but, you know, I guess you'll cut it from three and a half to three hours or three hours to two and a half hours. Okay, all right, I can get behind that. I think it improves the flow of the game for sure. Um, but I think the big thing here is MLB fans are crying that, oh, you know, it's ruining the game, you're ruining the game. I don't think it's necessarily ruining the game. And I don't think this is this is like the spider tack thing. This is like the, the sticky substance thing. It took a while for people to get adjusted, right? Any new rule. Baseball players are creatures of habit. If you've played baseball, you know that. If you haven't played baseball, then let me tell you. All baseball players, we are all creatures of habit. We all do something repeatedly because we either think it's good luck or it's part of our routine. When you get when you have played in the bigs or when you've played baseball for as long as all of these guys have under certain rules and now you're like now you're under a timer, yes, it's going to get some time. It's going to take some time to get used to it. But I really don't think this is going to be as big of an impact as everybody is making it out to be. Stop crying. Baseball is on, people. Baseball is on. We got baseball again for the next nine months. Get on your chair, sit in there, eat some chips, and shut up and watch. Just, just watch the game. It's not like all of a sudden we've changed every single rule of the game and we, have, we now have five bases and ten fielders and two hitters. That's not. We're not changing the fabric of the game. We're just making sure it flows. Now them citing bringing back more fans. 
I mean, if a pitch timer is what is going to bring back fans, then are they really like? I don't, I don't understand how that a faster game brings fans. I guess because nowadays people don't have the attention span anymore. But I don't know. It is, it is what it is at that point. But I, I don't think the pitch timer is going to be as big of a deal as everybody think it is. I don't think the shift, I, the shift ban is going to be big for a lot of these hitters. And the bigger bases, I really don't understand. I really don't get it. Stop complaining about a th stop complaining about three inches, for the love of God. I don't know what is going on with that. Anyway, I'm gonna get off my soapbox here. And we're going to move into our first um, last call of season three. Um, so, oh boy. What story shall I tell? Um, I guess I should tell. I, I recently I have uh, started doing uh, private lessons, private hitting lessons, and uh, I have I have a kid who, you know, he came to me. He's you know was struggling. He's hoping to hit. Um, he's hoping to hit better and uh, he's getting ready to get into high school. And so I've been working with him and working with him and working with him. And it's nice to kind of develop that relationship and be able to pass down my knowledge of, of hitting with this kid. And, um, it reminds me a lot of, it's so funny because I see a lot of, I've talked about my father a lot on this podcast and, um, I see a lot of the way that I, uh, I see, I see a lot of my dad, in the way that I coach and the way that I kind of do things uh, in terms of baseball. And um, it's funny when I look back and my dad is going to call me after I say this. Oh, man, I'm going to get a call. Um, you know, I, I, I look back at my baseball career. I, I reminisce on my baseball career every once in a while. And, 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 and uh, for those of you that don't know, I didn't, uh, I didn't make it very far. I'm not saying that I'm an expert. I'm not saying that, you know, I made it to the bigs and I know what I'm talking about and whatever. I only played a little bit of community college ball. I just watch a lot of baseball and study fan graphs and, 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 uh, and, and baseball reference now. And um, it's so funny how... All of these different private coaches and all of these different uh, people that are said to be baseball experts that know the minutia, the game, and this and that, and technology, and blah, 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 whatever. I've gone back to coaching, and I coach almost just like my dad. And I'm going back and I'm going back and reminiscing in my career and everything that all that went well in my career was coached by my dad. It wasn't my high school coaches. It wasn't my the private coaches that I had, although they did help me. I think the best parts of my playing career were given to me by my dad. And so I think you're probably wondering, Austin, where is this, where is this story going? I think the, the, the lesson behind this story is don't trust everything you see as an expert. 
Make your own opinion. Find information uh, for, for your own and find what's good because you never know. You just never, ever, ever know where the best information is going to come from. Listen to everybody. Listen to everybody. Listen to those little league coaches. Yeah, they may sound like an idiot now, but you never know, right? You never know. And, uh, you know, my, my, my dad, my dad didn't, my dad didn't play college ball. He played high school baseball, but again, my best baseball skills and my best baseball advice came from my dad. And I had other coaches that were on paper more qualified. So kids, listen to your dad. He probably knows what he's talking about. Anyway. So that is the end of the first episode of season three of the Total Bases podcast, or not Total Bases. <laughs> oh, Felipe is going to like that one. Um, of the Round Trippers podcast. Uh, I'm going to have to get used to that now because we are back. Not only is the podcast back, but you can also find us now on Facebook. That's right. The Round Trippers podcast now has a public Facebook page where I'll be posting different MLB updates. Maybe every once in a while posting some of my thoughts on there if I I have a, I have something that eats at me. Um, I will probably post it on there and I will also post new episodes and things of that nature and, and maybe any other episode that I might be a part of on that page as well. And you can follow me and you can discuss baseball with me and it'll be a fun time. Go out and find me the Round Trippers podcast on Facebook. Um, it'll be great to have you and it'll be great to talk baseball with you. You can also find this podcast. Obviously, you're listening to it. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple, um, no, on Google uh, Google Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us in, in all kinds of stations. Tell us, uh, tell your friends. And uh, I would really, really like to see this podcast blow up. Um, so uh, uh, maybe there will be some incentive to these guys, uh, for you guys um, in the future to tell your friends and leave a review on Spotify or any anywhere else that you guys have. Um, It'll be, you know, I, I'm in the works of getting an incentive, maybe like a special episode uh, when, whenever we hit a certain mark. That would be fun, right? I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, but until then, I'm going to sign off on this podcast and thank you for returning, you round trippers, you beautiful, beautiful baseball fans. And thank God baseball is back. Stay tuned for the NL, for the NL uh, preview show next week. And until next time. Have a good one, everybody.